Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. The reading this morning is taken from Romans 12, verses 3 to 16. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who, who, who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Rosemary, thank you very much. Well, hello again. Uh, Welcome especially to visitors this morning, or anyone who's new to Kerry. If, if you are new, or this is one of your first times, you've picked a tremendous Sunday to be here. Not only did you get to see Michelle baptised, but we call this Vision Sunday. In fact, it's Vision Sunday Part 1. We're going to do this in a couple of weeks. Uh, but today, we're going to unpack a little bit of the vision that God has given for this church here in Harrisdale. And because it's so important... I want to pray right at the start and just ask God that he would speak. So would you close your eyes with me as we ask him to be speaking this morning. Father, you are the God of vision. You are the one who had the vision for all of creation. And we thank you this morning that you have given a vision for our church. Father, as, as I speak what you've helped me prepare, I pray that it would be your words that come across. Holy Spirit, would you magnify truth and the important parts of this message in the ears of the hearers. And Lord Jesus, may everything we do be for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, our vision, our vision is to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, serving, let me get this right, following Jesus and serving in God's world. Now, I stumbled on that and therefore we have a memory version for you to be flourishing communities of hope. Flourishing communities of hope, that's our vision. And I'll just add, you've got a little card on your chair that you would have found. 
and the wonderful Sue Gifford has made just another beautiful creation. This is to put in your purse or your wallet, stick it on your fridge to help you remember this. But I encourage you, first try and remember the memory bit, because even I can remember that, to be flourishing communities of hope. Now, we've got a mission statement that goes along with it. So a vision is a, is a future state that we want to reach. It's somewhere out there in the future. That's our vision. The mission is how we're going to get there. It's what we do. And our mission is being and making disciples who love God, love people, and are serving in God's mission to this community and the world beyond. You might want a short version of that to memorize. So here it is. Being and making disciples who love and serve. So these are our new vision and mission statements This morning, we're going to spend time talking about the vision statement, getting to know that a little bit more. And in two weeks' time, on the 17th, we'll talk about the mission statement. So they're they're the two weeks that we're doing. And I'm really excited about these things. In between, of course, we've got commissioning, which is excellent. Uh, So you might have some questions already, though. Some of you who've been around for a while might be saying, well, okay, they they look all right. They sound kind of Christian. But, but what about Vision 2020? Don't we have a Vision 2020 thing? And, and is Forestdale using the same vision and mission? Um, some questions like that. And I thought, well, I could talk about that, but this is a great opportunity for me to share something with a whiteboard. And I'm excited about that. So I'm going to go to the whiteboard here and I'm going to draw some things to help us understand a little bit more. So I hope you can all see this. Uh, first of all, let me draw Kerry, right? Kerry, what we call the Kerry movement. And I'm going to try and write in letters that are big enough for everybody to see at the back. This is Kerry. Now, our movement has two campuses. We have the Harrisdale campus. We have the Forestdale campus. Very exciting, starting their high school this year. And we have aspirations to have what I'm going to call Threedale because, of course, every campus Kerry has probably has to be a Dale, right? So three Dale, let's put that down there. And we also have s- some other things that go across the campuses, like the Right Track Foundation. So that's the Kerry movement. And the first role that we have, a church, have as a church is to hold the vision for the whole movement. And so if you've heard of this thing called Vision 2020, that is a vision for this whole movement. So we have a great brochure. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, can I encourage you, ask somebody, I think there are brochures down the front as you came in, really exciting what is going on here. And Kerry was founded with the idea of turning the church inside out. In other words, instead of just asking everybody to come to the church, we're actually serving by creating these platforms, platforms where people have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, platforms where people feel God's love and compassion, so that's the big picture of Kerry. But I want to zoom in a little bit. And this is where I'm looking forward to the day when we have like sort of touchscreen whiteboards and I can just use my fingers and zoom in. But I don't. So I'm going to turn this board around and we're going to focus on this bit. So if we look just at the Harrisdale campus, and I'll draw another square so it matches nicely. So this is Harrisdale. On this campus, many of you will know, we have a primary school and a high school. We've got the colleges. You would have walked in through our business called Timber and past our early learning centre called Jump. 
So these are ministries of the church here at Cary. And what we say is that at the spiritual heart of Cary is the church. And the vision and mission that we're talking about today are the vision and the mission of us as a body of believers, of us called the church at the heart of the Harrisdale campus of the Cary movement. So we have two roles. One is we hold the big picture vision 2020. But over the last year or so, as I've thought about what, what do we do as a congregation, perhaps that's different to what Timber does or College does or Jump does, and I've been praying about that. And the answer is that we have a specific vision and mission for us. We are the place that holds this vision and this mission. So that, I hope, differentiates for you and distinguishes. A couple of other thoughts for you. One is Forestdale this morning will have the same vision. So Mark Lilly, Senior Pastor at Forestdale, and I have been working closely on this with Dave Kilpatrick, our Director of Ministries. We've spent time in prayer and we believe this is the right vision and mission for both churches. So we are unified in that. We've run it past the board who's excited about it. We've shared it with the partners. So these vision and mission statements are new in some ways, but in others, they're a continuation of where we've been going at Cary, and they're a crystallisation of where we want to be going. So with all of that background, let's launch into talking about the actual statement. Uh, and I want to start with the, um, the short version, to be flourishing communities of hope. And I want to look at this word flourishing. So the vision to be flourishing communities of hope. I want to look at the word flourishing and for me, as we talked about different words, you could use lots of, lots of words there, but this one, it somehow conjures up a, a, a life, a vibrance, an energy and, and a sense of growth. It's a beautiful word. I hope it does for you as well. And as we thought about that, we thought, you know, I think this idea of flourishing comes out of Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you some of Genesis chapter 1. There's a flourishing garden. I'm going to read for you some of Genesis chapter 1 from the message version. So take a listen to this and see if you get the idea of flourishing. And I'm not going to read all the verses, but just some specific bits. This is starting in verse 11. God spoke, earth, green up, grow all varieties of seed-bearing plants, every sort of fruit-bearing tree. And there it was. Earth produced green seed-bearing plants, all varieties, and fruit-bearing trees of all sorts. God saw that it was good. Evening, morning, day three. And then we're on to verse 20. God spoke, swarm ocean with fish and all sea life. Birds fly through the sky over earth. God created the huge whales and every kind and species of flying birds. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the ocean. Birds reproduce on earth. It was evening, it was morning. Day five, we're seeing this picture building of this beautiful flora and fauna that God's created. God spoke, earth, generate life, every sort and kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds. And there it was, wild animals of every kind. God saw that it was good. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. God created human beings, he created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. 
And having created all of this, here's God's summary. And you, you know this is coming. Many of you know what's coming. God looked over everything he had made. He looked at the flourishing garden, at the animals, at the people. And he said in the message version, it was so good, so very good. That's the idea of flourishing. In the very opening chapter of the Bible, God creates this flourishing creation with humanity in it. It's beautiful and God says it's so very good. Interestingly, then we skip right to the very end of the Bible. If you look in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. It uses some of these phrases. The dwelling place of God is with the people. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain. It's a place where the river of life flows through the middle of the city. This is Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible. And on either side of this beautiful river are magnificent fruit-bearing trees. It's another picture of flourishing. And it seems clear to me that God has this vision that we, that all of creation, flourishes. Now, I've got two other thoughts about this word flourishing. Um, and the first one is this. Something flourishes when it's the best possible version of itself. Now, what do I mean by that? If you were to look at our garden here, and I don't think there are any roses. There might be. I don't, I don't know my gardens well enough. But let's say there's a rose there. And you were to look at that rose and say, that's not a palm tree. It's flourishing when it's a rose. It's made to be a rose. And it's flourishing when it's the best possible version of itself. God's created this beautiful diversity. And it's the same for us. He's created diversity in us. And I sense sometimes that we try and be somebody else. And perhaps our culture drives us that way a little bit. Um, some of my experience, for instance, in, in a work context, was this drive to continue to be promoted, even when actually, you know what, I was probably only made to flourish at this level. Or what about in a, in a church context where perhaps sometimes we think, oh, maybe I need to be more visibly serving. And I hope that's not the case at Cary, but I know it can be. And we want to make sure that's not the case. That flourishing is being who God made you to be and serving where you have your gifts. Or for parents, do you ever feel any pressure that a flourishing life would look like kids who are really keen to go back to school, who are bright academically, who are great at sport, who are really creative, and they behave perfectly for everybody. Pressure to be something that maybe we're not. I've certainly spent time in my life trying to be that. But what I love is what we read before, what Rosemary read for us in Romans 12, chapter, uh, verse 6 out of chapter 12. It says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so I want to say this morning, this flourish, idea of flourishing is being the best possible you. The idea of being the best possible us, that God's created us to be, that God's wired us to be here and now. And the second thing I want to say about flourishing is this, that flourishing is all about what's happening on the inside, even though it might be visible on the outside. I've told you before that I'm, I'm not a great gardener, but we are blessed to have some lovely parts of our garden. In fact, I would say a lot of our garden's flourishing. Some beautiful trees that are flourishing, and, and then there's these brick pavers sort of alongside them. 
And in winter, this last year, I realised that some of those brick pavers were getting kind of uneven. You know how they do that? So I decided, this is a trip hazard, so I'm going to fix them. So I pulled up the pavers and I discovered that what the problem was, well, there's these roots growing underneath them, pushing them up. So I chopped the roots out, got rid of those. And I'm very proud to tell you, I now have a really nice, straight, almost spirit-level brick paving. However, as I was preparing this sermon, sitting in my study, looking out at the previously flourishing trees, I noticed that a couple of them weren't so healthy. In fact, I noticed that they looked a little bit dead at the top and the bottom bits struggling. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I only just noticed. And of course, you've all made this jump quicker than I have. But I suddenly realised, oh, when I chopped those roots out, (laughs) it had an impact. And these trees aren't doing so well. But here's my question for you, even if you made that jump quicker than I did. When did the tree stop flourishing? I only noticed it six months later. The visible outside. You see, the day after I chopped those roots, the tree still looked fantastic. But it was struggling because the internal system was no longer flourishing. I killed it. So as we talk about flourishing this year, in future years, we're going to be talking about our hearts. Yes, there's some external visible signs of flourishing, but flourishing is all about what God is doing in our hearts. And if you want a biblical example of that, I'd encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives all these examples where he says, it's not the outside visible stuff, it's what's going on inside that's important. Our vision is to see God's transformation in our lives because of his love. Our vision is that as we turn to follow Jesus, our hearts will change. And flourishing happens in community, is the next piece. So our vision is to be flourishing communities of hope. Let's focus on communities for a minute. Very intentionally, communities, not flourishing individuals. And perhaps that's in contrast to much of our culture. Um, Not sure, I don't believe really in coincidence. So it was interesting as I was preparing this, that two days ago I was listening to the radio while I was driving. And an an expert was on the radio and he was saying that, uh, and I'm trying to get a direct quote here, but my memory's a bit fuzzy, or something like this. He said, due to the extreme individuality of our society, one of, if not the biggest issue we face is loneliness. Fascinating. He talked about social media and its impact that we think we're in virtual communities when actually that's pulling away from real community. Advertising is generally focused on what you want, what would make you better, what would make your life better. It's all about me. There's so many parts of our culture and perhaps ourselves, our our sinful nature that is all about us. But God calls us into community. His word is calling us into community. And this passage from Romans 12 talks about us being members of a body. Did you catch that in verse 5? In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then in verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Hmm. Is it a utopian vision? Are we talking here about a perfect vision of a perfect community? Yes and no. So on the one hand, 
We want our vision to align with God's vision. And as we read in Revelation, His vision is that one day, when Jesus comes back, we will be part of a perfect community. So in part, I want to say to you that our idea of being part of a flourishing community of hope is that one day we will be in that perfect community. But it's also, no, it's not a perfect vision. It's not a vision of perfection or utopia. It's a real vision. And I want to share that this way. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in my study thinking about this particular message. And uh, one of those days, being school holidays, as I was sitting in my study thinking about flourishing communities of hope, I started to get a little frustrated because on the other side of my study door, uh, we'd invited some friends over for playdates. And outside my study door, let's just say it wasn't quiet. It was quite noisy. There was laughing and screaming and yelling and, and kids doing what kids do and they're eating and they're having fun. And I was getting quite frustrated because I'm trying to concentrate on a sermon and it's an important sermon and it's about flourishing communities of hope. You get it. And suddenly God said to me, ah, knock, knock, hello, Mr. Scott. The flourishing community of hope is happening. It's not a perfect one, but those kids are having a wonderful time. They are doing what kids are meant to do. They're in a community and they've got hope everywhere. They're, they're loving life. And you're sitting there thinking about what you want instead of enjoying the flourishing community. And I suddenly realised the key part to this idea of community is that it's not thinking what I get out of it. It's thinking about what I put into it. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, verse 8 to 11. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Our vision is a vision of a community where we deeply, deeply desire to see the others flourish. It's not a place where nobody's struggling. In fact, as I've been thinking more about this, I thought, as we approach this vision of being a place of a flourishing community of hope, I would expect that more and more broken people, by the way, just like all of us broken people, would come in to our community. It's not a perfect place. It's not a vision of everybody happy. But here's what it is. It's a vision where when somebody's struggling, we notice. And when somebody's struggling, we walk alongside them. Even though it costs us something and interrupts our plans. How about this one? It's a place where we feel free to ask for help. Because we're not worried about having to pay somebody back or, or being judged. And we can do that because we know we're in a community where people genuinely care and are interested about each other. So something practical to share with you on this note. Um, we are going to introduce a group of people called Pastoral and Discipleship Elders. Now, we're going to do this 
on the 17th, in two weeks' time, I'm going to introduce you to the people who will step into these roles, pastoral and discipleship elders. And I'll tell you more about the role next week, but because it fit here, I wanted to let you know it's coming. And the role, part of the role of these people is not to be the ones who pastor everybody, and it's not to be the ones who offer discipleship to everyone. It's actually to be part of a culture change, to help us change our culture so that all of us are helping to pastor others, so that all of us are helping to disciple and love and grow others. So I'm looking forward to introducing you in two weeks' time to our new group of pastoral and discipleship elders. More on that then. Uh, you'll also notice, and I'm skipping through this, you can, I hope, grasp there's a lot in this vision. Uh, the word is plural. Our vision is not to be a flourishing community of hope. Why is that? Well, it works on many levels. First of all, we are two churches. So it's Harrisdale and Forestdale, same vision, two flourishing communities. It's also because we sit on a campus here where our vision is that the college community will flourish. Some of you are teachers, some of you have kids at the two schools. And we want that community to flourish and where we can to serve it. We want timber to be flourishing. We want jump to be flourishing. And at the heart of this, we want those communities of people, the staff that work in jump, the families that come to jump, we want them to be flourishing. But it's broader than that. Flourishing communities of hope. It would be great if the neighbourhood where you live starts to flourish because you are the salt and light in it. In your workplace, there would be a flourishing community of hope because you bring Jesus into it. And, going back to Threedale, our vision is big. Our vision is that as we grow as a flourishing community of hope, that one day we will plant a third and maybe a fourth and maybe who knows what God has in store. So communities is intentionally plural because we have a big vision because we follow God with a big vision. Now, one last thought on community and growing community. To let you know that this year we're going to have a church family camp. Maybe we should call it a church family community camp. Uh, and we'd like to invite you into that. I don't think we've had one at Kerry for a little while. Uh, it's going to be in May and, and we'll get you all the details of this. Somewhere in May, uh, probably down in Bustleton. And not everybody will be able to make it, but everybody will be invited. And we thought that would be a great way for us to spend some more time in community and learn to love each other. Finally, our vision is to be flourishing communities of hope. Now, if I ask you what your hope is placed in, perhaps you would give the answer, Jesus. And you're right, you're right, of course. But, you know, if you're in church or in Sunday school and you're half asleep... I hope you're not half asleep, but if you are and somebody asks you a question, it's either Jesus or the Bible, right? So you had a pretty good chance of getting that right. But yes, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our vision is that that's where our hope would be firmly centred, deeply rooted, because it's a hope that's good in good times and bad times. It's a hope not just for eternity, but for here and now, today, this very day. Let me read to you again from 1 Peter, but this time chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope. New birth into a living hope. 
through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our vision is to be a community where that hope that we have, this new and living hope, is tangible and practical. Did you hear Michelle's testimony? I, I thought Michelle's testimony was fantastic for Vision Sunday. No such thing as coincidence in God's world. You see, Michelle started here, and, and I, I would argue, my words, not Michelle's, there was this aroma of hope about sending Lockie to Kerry. And then I think, Michelle, you said there, there was someone who invited you to church and said, hey, why don't you come and check this out? And at church, the aroma grew stronger because God spoke directly to Michelle, as we hope and expect each morning that we come here that he will do for all of us. And she met the source of all hope. And now she is a follower, baptised into eternal life. You see what's happening? This is our flourishing communities of hope where we get drawn in closer and closer to what God's doing. And the hope is the hope of Jesus Christ right at the centre of it. And that hope differentiates us because people outside of understanding what God's doing, we pray that they'll see the hope goes through all circumstance. It doesn't matter what happens in a Christian's life, we still have the hope of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, from those verses that I just read, Peter goes on to say in verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. As you see, Peter's writing to a community He's writing to them about new birth into a living hope. What's happening to this community? They're being persecuted, sometimes tortured, sometimes killed. And yet here's Peter saying, it's a new birth into a living hope, even in that circumstance. So it's a tangible hope that we hold on to. It's a powerful hope. And it's a hope that is offered practically to others. You know, I... I, Pray that in this vision, that if somebody comes into our church struggling, perhaps a, a, a single dad or a single mum, that here in this flourishing community of hope, they would find somebody who would become their friend. Someone or some people who would offer practical help. People who would actually change what they're doing at their own expense and cost to look after the people who have come in, who are in need. And in and through that, that they would see the inextinguishable hope that Christ offers all of us in this flourishing community of hope. Almost done. Great little story from the 4th century in a town of Caesarea. Big town in the Mediterranean. And uh, there are Christians there. But there's also a plague. This, this place is being wiped out by a, a terrible plague. And, and it's so bad that even though it's one of the biggest cities in the Mediterranean at the time, people are fleeing from the city. And a historian called Eusebius writes this about the behaviour of Christians at the time. All day long, some of them, this is the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial. There were countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others, so other Christians, gathered together from all parts of the city a multitude whose, of whose 
withered from famine, sorry, a multitude who were withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. What this writer is saying is there's a picture of everybody fleeing apart from Christians who said at great expense to ourselves, this is a plague, we're going to look after the people who are hurting. Wow. Those Christians were a flourishing community of hope even amongst the circumstance they were in. So as believers of Christ, we have a unique hope that we can share and that it comes from being transformed by God's love. It comes from following Jesus. And when we grasp it and understand it, we will burst with the desire to share that hope with others. So, I believe this is an inspired vision, an exciting vision for us at Cary as we move forward. And I want to invite you into it. I want to invite you to wrestle with it if you need to, to discuss it to embrace it, that we together would go on this journey into a vision of being a flourishing community of hope. And I want you to ask, what part is God wanting you to play in that? What have you been designed to that will let you flourish at the same time as the community flourishes? So, would you try and join with me? We're going to try and say this. I don't, oh, it's on the screen so you can cheat. Why don't we just say it? We'll just say the vision. To be, our vision is to be a flourishing communities of hope, not a, whoops, flourishing communities of hope. Well done, most of you got that right, thank you. Uh, and how are we going to achieve it? Well, that's our mission and that is stay tuned for a couple of weeks' time when we'll come back and we'll talk about the other part. So why don't we close in prayer right now. Um, don't forget commissioning next week, which is kind of exciting because commissioning is actually all of this together. This is commissioning. And then we're going to come back and talk about the how we're going to head towards this vision. Let's pray. Father God, our vision is to be transformed by your love. Lord Jesus, our vision is to follow you with all our hearts and to serve you in this amazing mission you've called us to, in this place called Cary, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods and in our workplaces. It's exciting to be your children. And Father, I pray as we talk about this vision over time that it would sink in and become part of who we are because we're following you. May all glory be to you. Amen. Amen.